Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning. My name is Colin, and I'll be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the Turquoise Hill Resources second quarter 2020 results conference call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during this time, simply press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. Thank you. Roy McDowell, uh, you may begin your conference. Thank you, Colin. Good morning. I'm Roy McDowell, Head of Investor Relations and Communications. Welcome to our second quarter 2020 financial results conference call. On Tuesday, we released our second quarter 2020 results press release, MD&A, and financial statements. These items are available on our website and CDAR. With me on the call are Ulf Quellman, our CEO, Luke Colton, our CFO, and Joanne Dudley, our COO. This call and presentation includes certain forward-looking statements and information. We refer you to the forward-looking statements section of our MD&A for the three and six months ended June 30th, 2020. And now I'd like to turn the call over to our Chief Executive Officer, Paul Quellman. Thank you, Roy, and good morning to everyone. Thanks for joining us for our second quarter 2020 earnings call. During the first half of this year, all of our lives have really changed dramatically as we've witnessed the unprecedented impact the COVID-19 pandemic has had on our health and our livelihoods. And as much as we remain hopeful that a vaccine will be developed quickly, until such time that this happens, we have to get used to a different environment that may well have changed permanently. Of course, change always brings new opportunities too. In the meantime, though, will have to adapt and we we hope that you and your families are healthy and safe. As usual on our quarterly calls, you'll be hearing not just from me, but also from our Chief Operating Officer, Joanne Dudley, as well as from Luke Colton, our CFO. Turning to yesterday's second quarter update, both from an operations and underground development perspective, the team has delivered an exceptional quarter, notwithstanding and especially in view of the challenges presented by the COVID-19 pandemic. The open pit operations continued uninterrupted through the second quarter, producing 36,500 tons of copper and 31.2 thousand ounces of gold. This excellent level of productivity has occurred against the backdrop of a continued best-in-class safety record. You know that safety remains Oyotogoi's top priority You're also seeing the linkage between maintaining high levels of safety on the one hand and delivering operational excellence on the other hand. A high level of employee engagement, mature systems and processes, as well as a culture of safety are key ingredients to deliver operational excellence. And that is what you're seeing at Oyutolgoi. As a result of ongoing optimization work at our open pit, We've increased our full-year gold production guidance to a range of 155,000 to 180,000 ounces, reflecting initiatives to bring forward the higher gold-bearing ore into 2020. This increase has a favorable impact on our cost structure, 
and we've consequently decreased our full-year C1 cash cost guidance to $1.60 to $2 per pound of copper. Our full-year copper production guidance remains unchanged. Although we've experienced slowdowns in certain areas, progress on the underground development has continued as we have been able to cross-train our highly skilled local workforce and adapt to the new realities of operating in the COVID-19 environment. During the quarter, the team used remote presence technology to successfully complete routine maintenance at Shark 2, and payloads have returned to planned levels since. In addition to the production and underground achievements, we also completed the updated Panel Zero Mine design, and we successfully amended the Power Sector Framework Agreement to prioritize a state-owned and state-funded power plant. Finally, as of June 30th, we finished the quarter with $1.5 billion of liquidity, which under current projections is expected to be sufficient to meet the requirements of the company, including its operations and underground development into early 2022. Since the escalation of COVID-19 back in January, the Oyotolgo team has been working closely with local and federal authorities to ensure the health and safety of our workforce, their families, and the local communities. The government of Mongolia has taken very decisive steps very early on in the crisis to help contain the spread of the virus, and indeed the situation in Mongolia continues to remain stable. Our sales increased in the second quarter with the easing of trucking restrictions within China and improved border access. The underground development has continued to progress, although it has been impacted by COVID, and the associated travel restrictions as well as other restrictions that have been imposed in order to contain the spread of the virus. The Oyutolgo Business Resilience Team continues to work with the Mongolian authorities to monitor and prevent the possibility of any COVID-19 cases occurring. As I touched on earlier, the second quarter was another excellent quarter from an open pit productivity perspective. Despite COVID-19, the mill continues to operate at above nameplate capacity levels, processing 106,000 tons of ore per day over the quarter. As a result of transitioning into higher grade material as part of our mine optimization efforts, we experienced improved recovery rates, increased gold production, and lower C1 cash costs. We expect this to continue for the rest of 2020, and as a result, we've increased our full-year gold guidance, gold production guidance, and also lowered our full-year C1 cash cost guidance. Safety is our highest priority. What do we mean by that? Well, it means that we are clear that all of our employees and contractors have the right to work in a safe environment and to expect to be able to go home safe to their families at the end of the day. For the first six months of 2020, our all-injury frequency rate increased slightly to 0.22. This marks a slight increase compared to last year's performance. However, it is still a very creditable performance, and the Oyotogo team is absolutely focused on, on learning from every incident and continue to review and revise its operating and safety policies and procedures to ensure that we maintain our best-in-class safety record. Slide 8 highlights our strong track record in delivering on our commitments. Over the past five years, we've met or exceeded both our copper and gold production guidance to the market. Our increased 2020 gold production guidance has not impacted our 2021 outlook, 
and we look forward to benefiting from meaningfully higher gold production as we target higher gold-grade ore as a result of our mine optimization work. Let me now turn the call over to Joanne Dudley to take you through the underground development and the new Panel Zero mine design. Joanne? Thank you, Wolf. Hello, everybody. Please go to slide nine. Before turning to the technical report, let me provide you with a snapshot of progress elsewhere. During the quarter, ordinary course shortening of the newly commissioned shaft two ropes was completed using remote presence technology with payloads returning to plan. Due to restrictions arising from COVID-19, shafts three and four remain in care and maintenance. We continue to work towards a solution to enable specialist shaft thinking personnel to return to site. Works on some underground materials handling infrastructure has slowed due to restrictions on the number of personnel at site to manage COVID-19 related risks. We have, however, seen Primary Crusher 1 return to 24 hour shifts following a period of day shift only. The project continues to review the impacts of COVID-19 on the underground development with a program of work currently underway. Underground lateral development had another record quarter with average monthly advancement of 1,831 equivalent metres compared to 1,822 in quarter one. Good progress also continues on the conveyor decline with just under one equivalent kilometre of lateral development in the quarter. The restrictions imposed on total personnel numbers at site may require redeployment of lateral development crews onto other critical path activities in Q3 2020 in order to minimise any potential COVID-19 impacts. Please turn to slide 10. Ayatolgu has completed and submitted a new feasibility study, OTFS 20, to the Government of Mongolia with TRQ anticipating release of an updated technical report in the third quarter. The technical report will incorporate impacts of the refined panel zero mine design on schedule, sustainable production and capital cost estimates, as well as an updated mineral reserve and mineral resource statement. The key highlights are sustainable first production is now targeted as February 2023, with a range of October 2022 and June 2023. Total development capital cost of 6.8 billion with a range of 6.6 .6 billion to 7.1 billion. As a result of the inclusion of structural pillars to protect ore handling infrastructure, reclassification of mineral reserves to mineral resources, and our project manager advises us we can anticipate that a proportion of these pillars will be recoverable with additional studies currently underway. Lateral development and construction of the underground material handling system continues to progress favourably towards first sustainable production from panel zero, despite the challenges of COVID-19. It's important to stress that the ongoing impacts of COVID-19 are not yet known and remain under review by the project. Therefore, they will not be included in the technical report. The next phase of design studies ongoing uh, includes a review of design options for panel one and two to reflect panel zero learnings in addition to a program of work to assess the impacts of COVID-19. I'll be available for questions, uh, but in the meantime, Ulf, would you like to continue? 
Yeah, thanks very much, Joanne. Um, before I turn you over to Luke, uh, let me provide you with just a quick update on our discussions with the government of Mongolia. If you turn to slide 11, as you know, Oyutolga has an obligation to secure a long-term domestic source of power for the Oyutolga mine. On the 28th of June, Oyutolga and the government of Mongolia reached an agreement to jointly prioritize and progress a state-owned and state-funded power plant at Tavantolgoi. To that end, the power sector framework agreement that was signed in December 2018 has been amended accordingly and it contains a number of key milestones, including the reaching of an agreement with the current power provider, the Inner Mongolian Power Corporation, to extend the existing power import agreement by the 1st of March next year, the signing of a PPA, a power purchase agreement, for the supply of power to the Oyotogo mine by the 31st of March next year, and finally, the commencement of construction of no later than the 1st of July next year, with the commissioning within four years thereafter. If some of these milestones cannot be met, then Oyutolga is entitled to select from and implement the alternative power solutions specified in the power sector framework agreement, including an Oyutolga-led coal-fired power plant or a primary renewable space solution. If you turn to the next page, I'll provide you just a very brief update on some of the other aspects of our dialogue with the government of Mongolia. The tax dispute remains unsettled for the time being. You might recall we've informed the markets on prior calls that on the 20th of February, Oyotolga had proceeded with the initiation of a formal international arbitration in accordance with the dispute resolution provisions of the investment agreements. That continues to be the case. We remain, of course, of the opinion that Oyotolga has paid all taxes and charges required. And with regards to progressing the 2019 parliamentary resolution in relation to the parliamentary working group report, we have had engagement in the second quarter of this year with the working group that had been put together by the government. The focus and the progress of these discussions centered largely around power, and we've just provided you with an update on that. Following last month's parliamentary elections, uh, we are now looking forward to re-engaging with the new government in order to further progress the issues that have been identified in the resolution. Let me now turn the call over to Luke, our CFO, to take you through our financial highlights. Luke? Thanks, all. Hello, everyone. If you could please turn with me to slide 13, I'll give you a summary of our key financial metrics for Q2 of 2020. Uh, starting off with revenue, which decreased 27% from Q2 of 2019, and that's principally due to the 51% decrease in gold production, together with the 7% decrease in copper production. And those result mainly from the transition of phase 4A to lower grade, phase 4B or in the southwest area of the pit. In addition, the average price of copper fell by 12%, although that was favorably offset by the impact of a 31% increase in the average price of gold. These significant price fluctuations were primarily due to the impact of COVID-19 on global commodity markets. 
The reduction in revenue contributed to lower cash generated from operating activities, which was also impacted by contrasting working capital movements Q2 2021 compared to Q2 2019. Working capital in Q2 2020 was negatively impacted by an increase in trade receivables driven by the impact of rising copper prices on their revaluation at the end of the period. Trade payables decreased through Q2 2020 compared to an increase through Q2 2019, and that's primarily as a result of lower capital expenditure in Q2 when compared in Q2 2020 when compared to Q2 2019. The significant decrease, decrease in gold protection in Q2 2020 versus Q2 2019 was also the primary reason for the increase in C1 cash costs as the decrease resulted in lower gold revenue credits. The period-on-period -period increase in all-in sustaining costs was not as significant as the increase in C1 cash costs, and that's mainly due to the offsetting impact of lower open pit sustaining capital and lower royalty costs due to the lower sales revenue. If I can ask you to now turn to slide 14, you'll see that Turquoise Hill has 1.5 billion of available liquidity, which under current projections is expected to be sufficient to meet the requirements of the company, including our operations and underground developments into early 2022. The expectation is improved due mainly to lower estimated LIBOR rates on project finance interest payments, continued focus on operating cost savings and other optimization efforts, as well as updated assumptions regarding the impacts of COVID-19. As a result of this improvement in liquidity, we decided to further we decided to defer further discussions with Rio Tinto regarding possible interim funding arrangements. Looking to the longer term, Turquoise Hill's liquidity outlook will continue to be impacted, either positively or negatively, by various factors. And many of these are outside the company's control. Based on the latest cash flow projections, our base case incremental funding requirement is expected to be $3.6 billion, and our minimum estimate is expected to be at least $3 billion. These estimates incorporate principal repayments of $1.9 billion, as well as interest in similar charges of $1.1 billion, and do not assume any reprofiling of existing principal repayments or any additional external financing. We'll continue to progress our engagement with several key stakeholders, including Rio, to address the longer-term funding requirements of Olutogoy. Together with our financial and other advisors, we have already considered, evaluated, and prioritized a range of financing options, including a possible reprofiling of OT's existing debt, as well as the possibility of raising additional financing by OT. Each of these options, if implemented, would have the effect of reducing the incremental funding requirement. However, Successful imp implementation of these options, um, it is subject to achieving alignment and agreement with the relevant stakeholders, including with Rio Tinto, existing lenders, any potential new lenders, and the government of Mongolia, and also um, as well as market conditions and other factors. As we disclosed in our MDNA for the quarter, there are many factors that could impact the quantum of the incremental funding requirements,
These include, but are not limited to, the actual amount of development capital required, the timing of sustainable first production and associated ramp-up profile, the manner in which the amended PSFA is implemented, the impact of COVID-19, as well as the outcomes of the definitive estimate and the studies for panels one and two. And with that, I am happy to hand the call back to you all. Thanks very much, Luke. If you uh, are able to turn to the last page, page 15, please. The ability of Oyotolgoi to continue operating uninterrupted through the COVID-19 pandemic, whilst many other mines around the world have had to either shut down or curtail operations, is a testament to both the Oyotolgoi team as well as the Mongolian people, whether it's maintaining best-in-class safety and productivity levels or using remote technology to work with specialists overseas to resolve technical issues in the underground development, our workforce at Oyotolgo continues to excel quarter after quarter. Although Mongolia was early to respond to the pandemic and has one of the lowest number of cases in the world, we remain diligent and continue to work with both the local and federal authorities to prioritize the health and safety of the Oyotolgo team and the wider community. Key milestones achieved during the quarter included the announcement of the updated mine design for Panel Zero, an agreement to prioritize and progress a state-owned and state-funded power plant, uh, an increase in our 2020 gold production guidance, and extended liquidity into 2022. It's been just over a year now since we've announced the revised underground cost and schedule range, and since then, we've delivered on the key milestones that we've set out thus far for our shareholders. We're now in the process of completing the new technical report for 2020 that we expect to publish in the third quarter. This report will provide shareholders with additional data points and information, which will highlight once again the quality of the Oyotolga ore body and the value proposition for investors. In addition, the updated data will greatly assist in our ongoing efforts to advance our long-term funding strategy. Although COVID-19 will continue to challenge our underground development, we maintain our focus and commitment to deliver on the key value drivers that are instrumental in unlocking the value embedded in this world-class asset, Oyotolgoi. So this concludes our prepared remarks. Let me now turn the call back to the operator for any questions. Operator, over to you, please. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now begin the question and answer session. Should you have a question, please press star, followed by the one on your touchtone phone. You'll hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request, and your questions will be polled in the order they are received. Should you wish to decline from the polling process, please press star, followed by two. If you are using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. One moment for your first question. Okay, so your first question comes from Hayden Baristow of uh, McGuire. Uh, please go ahead. Um, morning, guys, or well, it's evening over here. Um, just a couple from me, uh, just on um, on the underground. I mean, Rio sort of talked about a little bit at their, their result as well tonight. I mean, just on, it appears you can start getting people in back into Mongolia, but there's like a five-week quarantine or something. I just want to understand is that sort of starting to happen now so you're only 
a month or so away from getting some decent people back on site to start shaft three and four and that sort of stuff. And also just on the panel zero redesign, I mean, just trying to understand um, just the, the scope of where the ore is. I mean, how long would it be before you could get back in and get those pillars out? Is it is it sort of 10, 15 years away? I just want to understand how far away it would be to get the rest of that sort of parts of the high grade out of the of the uh, of the mine. Thanks. Sure. Thanks. Thanks for the question, Hayden. Maybe what we'll do, maybe Joanne, you can take the second question. Let me address the first question, uh, Hayden, in relation to um, getting people into country. Um, you're right, uh, what you referred to earlier. So there, there has been a, um, uh, a charter flight from Australia into Mongolia early last week, um, uh, where we managed to uh, get people in from, from Perth directly into uh, Mongolia. Um, so that's, that's good news and that's important because what it allows us to do effectively, Hayden, make sure that people have been in country for a long, long time. Uh, to replace the roster and get get some people out back home to their families, and uh, and fly uh, fly other expatriates in to uh, to replace them, and effectively maintain the current levels of of coverage that we have in country. Um, the the quarantine timelines that you're referring to, Hayden, you're right, they are very long. Um, so first of all, we are pleased to note that. You know, the Mongolian authorities have enabled us to actually get people into country, in this case from Australia. Uh, we're pleased with that level of cooperation. Um, but as you say, it's about uh, five uh, weeks of quarantine in Mongolia, and then upon return back to Australia, there's another two weeks. So it's, these are long timelines of quarantine, and therefore you wouldn't expect these kind of flights and changes to happen all that frequently only because you're losing too much time in transition because people are being tied up in quarantine. But the good news is that that flight has taken place and um, Amanda Torres, who's the CEO of Oyotolga, you know him, he and the team are looking for ways to, to do this on a more regular basis. Um, at this stage, we're limited to do this from Australia. Um, at this stage, uh, we are not able to extend this to other countries. We talked on previous calls about South Africa, for example, where some of our key personnel is coming from. That at the moment is not an option. But, uh, but having said that, we're obviously pleased to be able to have at least started a limited service uh, from, from Australia into, into Mongolia. So I hope, Hayden, that answers your first question. Joanne, are you able to address the second question? Uh, yes, sure. Thank you, Ulf. Uh, hello, Hayden. Uh, thank you for your question. So in terms of um, the uh, pillar recovery considerations and the timing of those, at the moment there's a, a program of work underway to uh, look at a variety of options for uh, recovery of the pillars and for optimising uh, uh, panel one and two, the mining of panel one and two, um, to incorporate risk reduction from the learnings of panel zero, but also the inclusion of those pillars gives us the um, opportunity to uh, have some in independence between the mining areas. And so 
we are reviewing we are reviewing our options, and uh, with the variety of options under consideration, the timing of of that material differs between options because in some options they may not be pillars; they may be part of a panel at an alternate elevation, and as a result. Uh, the different options have different answers when it comes to the recovery of that material, with some being sooner or later. The evaluation of those options uh, is really looking at the practical timing. Well, one of the key factors is the practical timing of grade and value. You know, it's an important consideration, and so uh, the opportunity to recover that higher grade material as early as possible is certainly part of the criteria. That is, that is being considered. So I, I can't necessarily definitively answer uh, your question, but I can say that it is part of consideration and the different options have uh, a variety of answers when it comes to the timing of that material. And that includes, I guess, deepening of the shafts and everything, depending on where these new extraction levels are for panel one and two? Uh, I'm really pleased to ask that question, actually, because you know, as far as um, you know, the options we're looking at, we're really not looking at really large changes. We're really just talking about finessing these elevations. And so, shafts one to five, um, including shaft two and your handling, is all you know absolutely reusable and usable in their current state. There's no need for deepening. Uh, of, of that kind of infrastructure for the options that we're considering. The you know, primary crusher one and the materials handling system up to shaft two, it's all you know, absolutely able to be uh, used. Um, some of the further uh, ore handling infrastructure closer to the footprint, um, you know, it, it would obviously need to alter with elevation, but it, essentially a lot of those um, mainline uh, areas for all handling are usable for all of the options that we're looking at. So no, we don't need to deepen any shafts. It's all about the um, all handling infrastructure close to the footprint. Okay, great. And just one for Luke. I didn't want to leave you out, Luke. Um, just on the power station. I mean, if you if you guys are the the main offtake partner and or PPA partner and consumer of the power. Under the lease accounting rules, doesn't the debt end up on your balance sheet or the liability end up on your balance sheet anyway and it gets included as debt whether you own it or build it or the government does? I'm just trying to understand how that all works. Yeah, Hayden, uh, thanks for not leaving me out. It's much appreciated. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, listen, it's a good question. It's also probably a bit early to answer that question. Um, you do have some familiarity, it seems, with the lease accounting rules. Um, so, you know, what you're raising is a valid consideration, but it, it does ultimately um, matter, or the ultimate determination anyway is really based on, on will be based on the PPA um, that gets negotiated and the terms of that PPA, um, as well as, you know, final decisions. You're, you're very right that OTs, it, very likely to be the primary, possibly um, the only significant off-taker. So that, that will need to be taken into consideration. But it does um, ultimately, you know, depend on not just that, but, but some of the other terms that, that will get negotiated. So uh, you've raised an issue. We're definitely keeping it in mind. And, um, you know, at the right time, you know, we'll, we'll be able to be a bit more 
specific there, but it, it will depend on, you know, it will be something that's determined as the PPA itself is negotiated. Okay, great. Really useful. Thanks for that, guys. I'll hand the call back. Your next question comes from Oscar Cabrera of CIBC. Oscar, please go ahead. Uh, thank you, Curator, and good morning and evening, everyone. Um, um, I was just wondering, you know, or let me first start with by saying that uh, we appreciate the the increased transparency that you guys have. Uh, that's really helpful for our analysis. Um, and the first question is with regards to the increasing gold um, production in 2020, not affecting 2021. I was wondering if you can provide color on, on what um, what this entails. Is it, you know, that you have, uh, you know, better grade reconciliation, um, higher grades, and therefore, you know, uh, even though you pull um, high grade forward, it didn't affect 2021. Oscar, thanks for the question and thanks for your comment earlier about um, uh, providing um, uh, good transparency and clarity. Joanne, is that something that you're happy to take on? Uh, Oscar's question on uh, why does gold bringing forward into 2020 not affect 2021? What's driving that? Yes. Yes, sure. Thank you, Wolf, and thank you for your question, Oscar. So, uh, you, know, uh, you know, you talk about reconciliation and, and I would say you know, we continue to see to see consistent performance from a reconciliation per, uh, perspective at site, um, and we aren't seeing that as a, a driving force. Uh, at this point, the you know the mine uh, planning team did some fantastic work on <clears throat> optimization of sequence and redesign and looking at resources to advance the pit faster than was anticipated, which has brought gold into 2020. And that higher grade zone, the mining of that extends all the way through 2021. And so really it's about the geometry of the ore body and the rate we're mining and that is what's driving the length of that period. So we've looked into 2021 with the current plan, and we're seeing the consistency of that grade out into 2021. Okay, well, thank you very much. Um, then, also, uh, we also, you know, happy to see that you will provide a ramp-up schedule in your technical report. Um, what I was wondering, though, is with shaft three and four still in care and maintenance. Um, how long, like if, if this continues, um, how long before you know the um, the, the the sustainable product, not the sustainable production, sorry, but production thereafter uh, would be affected? I don't know if you can provide any color whatsoever. We just wait until the technical report is out. I'd like to say wait until the technical report is out, Oscar. You just gave me that opening, but uh, maybe I'll. I mean, Joanne, are you? willing to provide a little bit of, of, of color. Um, I mean, the technical report is pretty much around the corner, Oscar, but maybe, Joanne, if you're willing to maybe provide a bit of context around uh, shafts three and four and the role they play and what they are critical for, maybe that would be helpful. Yes, certainly, Off. thank you. 
Uh, yes, so uh, as you note, you know, with the technical report will be coming out uh, uh, as we have noted. Uh, and, you know, we should, we need to remind people that COVID-19 impacts aren't included in the technical report. It's an active and ongoing situation. And uh, as we've mentioned, there is ongoing work at site to try to uh, move as much of this work forward as we can. But ultimately, uh, you know, although we are um, making good progress towards getting ready for thinking, it's not likely that we'll see major movements until there is uh, more freer personnel movement in terms of travel and we can get specialists back to site. And so the, uh, the team are working on understanding what the impacts of COVID-19 might be and we anticipate that we may be able to say more about that towards the end of the year um, uh, as we complete the definitive estimate. But for the long-term production of the mine, both shaft three and four are required to provide ventilation. And so, you know, they are critical uh, infrastructure for us. We continue to make good progress towards first sustainable production from panel zero. Uh, and with, you know, with the three shafts that we have and with the uh, construction of the materials handling infrastructure. Uh, but shaft three and four, we will need to uh, continue to assess uh, as we go forward the impacts of COVID-19 on the longer term production ramp up. We're just, it's just too early to be able to provide a, a definitive answer there. Okay. Well, thanks very much for the context, Joanne, and uh, best of luck, everyone. Thanks, Oscar. Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, should you have a question, please press star, followed by the one. Okay, so there are no further questions at this time. Please proceed. Thank you, operator. Um, we will then wrap up the call very shortly. I would say, uh, as a high-level summary, um, I think you've seen that the second quarter has seen very strong performance and progress on many fronts, whether that is operational performance in the open pit uh, or whether it's progress in some of the other key value drivers, whether it's uh, progressing the underground, whether it's uh, progressing with power uh, or providing more visibility uh, and time and flexibility on funding. Uh, of course, we'll have to continue to live with the impact of COVID for some time. It's important for us and for the business that we don't get distracted by that. Uh, we will stay focused and focus on doing the things that we can control. And of course, OT continues to be an outstanding asset and we as a management team together with the, uh, or your Tolder management team, we will put all our energy towards working with our key stakeholders and partners and that includes, you know, Rio Tinto, Government of Mongolia, any capital providers as well as any other suppliers, uh, suppliers or consultants in order to successfully deliver on the key milestones uh, that we've set out for you. So with that, let me thank you for uh, your joining the call this morning. 
Thank you for the questions, and we'll finish the call with that. Thank you very much, everyone. Bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.